an hour of truth for the battered but proud people of the Empire State. From the financial and entertainment epicenter of New York City to the sleeping and empty small cities and towns of upstate, which once bustled with manufacturing, mining, and farming. We all know from inspiration, history, and nature, we deserve a return to the success and growth of generations past, a birthright being squandered by corruption in Albany, and the depredations of an insecure, scheming mountebank posing as governor, who loathes both us and himself. As liberty beckoned to enslaved peoples behind the Iron Curtain via American broadcasts after World War II, we now say, believe, rise, and join us. Welcome to Radio Free New York. Hey guys, welcome to Radio Free New York. I'm your host, Andrew Hollister, and we're here in the studio with Bob Savage. Did you get any bitty new headphones for for, uh, Christmas? No, no, I just uh, felt like wearing these ones today. I don't know, I was... I saw him there. I was like, yeah, hey, yeah. I'll you look like these. a hipster in Panera <laughs> sitting there with your computer and your little earbuds. Yeah, yeah. Although I'm I'm not a fan of the bright white color. I prefer darker colors, but that's that's just me. Um, so how was Christmas? It was very nice. Very nice. Yeah, Christmas was awesome here, too. You know, spent time with family. And, uh, you know, I think I had mentioned uh, during yesterday's show that we usually do like a puzzle you know, big thousand piece puzzle. Yes. Well, uh, I didn't stay the whole night, but I did get a text message around three o'clock in the morning that they had finally finished the puzzle. <laughs> and they, they chose to wake you up by saying, t- hey, the puzzle's done. The puzzle's done. Yep. Thanks yep. for the update. So, yep. So uh, we got that. We also uh, added a new member to the family. We uh, took in a black German shepherd puppy. So... We, wow, uh, yeah. where, where, and where did this critter come from? Um, from from a friend. Yeah, oh, okay, we didn't go to Lollipop. Who needed, right? yeah. yeah, who you know they they had her for a while and um, were th- found out that she had some like health issues and stuff, so oh. they weren't going to be able to keep her. So over the last couple of weeks, we've been kind of like working with them, see if it would be a good fit for us. And uh, how old is the so, puppy? She's about a year and a couple months. Oh, so, so a grown know. puppy, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, grown. But she's she's very small, you know, and uh, yeah. So so that's that's been fun. And then this morning I got up and I was trying to figure out how upset the neighbors would be if I mowed my lawn. <laughs> because uh, Andrew, the grass is dormant now. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it looks like it's growing. I don't know. It's it's green. It's <laughs> so you went on a mowed. Did you no, really? I didn't. I didn't. But so I, that, I that's got to be some it. kind of a record. I, I, you know, on Boxing Day after Christmas, mowing your lawn. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I I seriously considered it. I'm like, well, there's some leaves that could be cleaned up, and the grass looks longer than it should be. Maybe maybe I should cut the grass. But no, I, I did not end up doing that. Um, although I I definitely thought about it. I mean, you look out there and you thought about it. <laughs> you know, it's it looks like early spring or maybe late fall. I don't it's know. Like, it's, it's like the old thought that counts. Yeah, uh, yeah. Comment. Yeah. So uh, yeah, try that out on your wife the next time you don't buy her something for her birthday. Yeah, yeah. I just the count the thought the thought that counts. Uh, yeah. Baby, didn't you buy me anything for my birthday? No, but I thought about it. Yeah, yeah, thought this counts. See if that works. Absolutely. Yep. So other cool announcement. I don't know if I mentioned this, but 
um, since we moved Radio Free New York to a five-day week show, um, we did create a Facebook page for Radio Free New York. So if you guys are listening to the show right now, um, you know, a lot of times you'll get the live stream on my Andrew C. Hollister page, and it's going to continue to be there. Um, but Kevin did set up a Radio Free New York Facebook page. I'm sure um, not only will we have the live stream, the live stream's going there right now as well. Um, so we're streaming to both of them at the same time. But I'm sure Kevin and, and maybe Sean will pull up some fun memes throughout the week as well. So uh, if you want to check that out definitely do that and uh we'll talk a little bit about what today's topic is going to be we're going to talk about uber specifically or well uber rideshare rideshare uber um because there's more than one company that's doing this but uber themselves kind of released their top destinations for this year and i found it really interesting because what they're noticing is rising to the top um, which I think in 2017, um, 2017 is when rideshare was legalized in New York. And, and let's let's think about this for a minute. The fact that you needed permission from the government to pay somebody who wasn't a taxi uh, to take you somewhere like <laughs> just just that that alone, um, you know, was uh, probably uh, concerning enough. But 2017 and 2018, um, we didn't really see grocery stores on on these top lists. And they've surfaced now for 2019 as being the top destinations and then the top 10 destinations. Um, and I think that actually says a lot about, um, especially in Rochester, like I've, I've got both lists here or multiple lists here. So we'll start with Rochester. I'll just give you guys the top 10 destinations in Rochester. Wegmans. Walmart Supercenter, the Rush Rees Library, which is U of R, um, Hyatt Regency, Rochester, Strong Hospital, Susan B. Anthony Residence Hall, that's the U of R, Simon's Business School, also the U of R, Murphy's Law, Filger's East End, and the Strathallen. Um, so you look at those and there were no grocery stores at all. And then if you look at Utica, Utica also has grocery stores in there and McDonald's. Um, Albany also has grocery stores in there and, um, you know, a couple college spots. So what I think we're seeing is issues created by government, things like zoning that don't allow for shopping or grocery stores to be close in neighborhood communities, um, you know, government locking down things like food trucks and the ability for mobile grocery stores. And I think what we're seeing is the free market is kind of stepping in here. And as it always will do if it has the opportunity, if it's not trammeled by government. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and that's why I think we're seeing. So I think we're seeing people coming up and realizing they they need food, right? And they want healthy food. I think most people in general really do want healthy food. I think most people in general want food that tastes good. Yeah, yeah, food that tastes good, which um, many times can be unhealthy food. But, you know, this idea that if you don't have a vehicle or you don't have good public transit, um, you could now get food from a place like Wegmans. Um, I know a lot of people like – don't like the idea of getting food at Walmart, but I've I've actually gone to Walmart for produce before. It's is basically by accident because by by and large I usually do not shop at Walmart. I'm one of those people that I believe in voting with your money. There's a lot of practices Walmart does that I'm just not 
don't appreciate, you know, so very rarely do they get my money unless I have no choice. Um, and sometimes you ride through those small towns and there is only a Walmart there, nothing else. A Walmart or a gas station. wrong with Walmart grocery stores. I mean, I, 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 as a general rule, don't go into Walmart because I just find it like such a production to go in there and hike mm-hmm. around. Yeah. It's just such a giant thing. And I always seem to need something that's in one of the distant corners of the store. So you hike and you hike and you hike and you hike. I guess you can you can make an argument that's good for good exercise. Yeah, and I'm fine right. with that, but <laughs> it's just a time issue usually with me. Yeah. But the grocery store at Walmart is fine. Well their their produce specifically, I was really surprised at how great their produce was. Um and in some ways and I I don't know if Walmart gets local produce like Wegmans does. No, I think not. that's 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 one issue I have with it. I think a lot of their produce is uh, is not local and it's not even from the U.S. Mm, a lot okay. of it that I see yeah, is yeah. Chilean or Mexican yeah, or yeah. or you know from wherever. Uh, but uh, I, I mean, look, truth be told, if you go into uh, Wegmans or Tops, you're also going to get stuff from other countries. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the bananas are almost always from Honduras mm, okay. uh, or Nicaragua. Yeah. Yeah, so I was very surprised the the few times I did go to Walmart that the produce was it felt like much better quality than Wegmans and and for a lot lot less money. So um so I was I was pretty surprised by that, but it's so I find this idea of rideshare now having more destinations becoming grocery stores um kind of the market's way of saying hey People want food. Government has made it hard to bring food to communities, and now rideshare is making that possible. So we're going to talk about that a little bit more. After watch the government break. regulate ridesharing oh, to yeah, grocery stores now. That too. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, we're going to take a brief break here. We'll be back in a moment on Radio Free New York. Your business relies on computers and technology to operate. Slow, unreliable networks and servers can cause unplanned downtime and affect your bottom line. The experts at Simple Tech Innovations are here to help. Their preventative maintenance program ensures that your computers and network are kept up to date and monitored for any issues, keeping your business running smoothly. They also help clients achieve HIPAA, PCI, and New York State cybersecurity compliance to keep your network safe safe and secure. Whatever your business IT needs are, Simple Tech Innovations should be your first call. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. Call them today for a free consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. You're listening to Radio Free New York. All right. We are back here on Radio Free New York. We're talking about rideshare and the rise of rideshare rides going to grocery stores. You know, people um, people going out there and using rideshare to get food, which is interesting because I couldn't ever imagine somebody taking a taxi to a Wegmans or an Aldi's or a Walmart is certainly not something that I've I've seen um, 
that I can ever recall. So the fact that, you know, Uber and Lyft and those sort of, you know, companies have made it much more affordable. Um, now, it, apparently, it's it's happening. You know, people are finding a way to get to the grocery store by means of rideshare, which to me is, is pretty cool. Which is kind of a head scratcher because if you think about it, I mean, if, if ride share service is available to a grocery store, why wouldn't there be public transit? I mean, wouldn't there be a bus you would sure, think that yeah. uh, well, would get you there? And, and it's interesting you say that um, because one of the Uber spokesperson, um, they actually mention that they're seeing um, more and more ride share visits to grocery stores in places where there is poor public transportation and they note upstate New York as a place with very poor public transportation. Um, so and, – and they also mention um, – actually, I've, I've got right here. It says communities where grocery stores are popular tend to be places with limited mass transit. Over the past two years, the number of trips to grocery stores have increased 10 times in upstate New York. So that's that's pretty good numbers. And that probably so, also tracks the, the the rise in availability of uh, of Uber and Lyft in general. Mm-hmm. Because if you recall, I I don't think it was five years ago that ride sharing was not permitted upstate. Remember, there's a big brouhaha oh, about yeah, about yeah. how the yep. state was. The state, of course, has to figure out how to insert itself in mm-hmm. the revenue stream. Yeah. Now I think it was I think it was 2017. So it was, yeah. it was so like, not long know, ago. Yeah, it was very close. And I I remember. Um, because I – oh, yeah, it was 2017 because I was running for city council when this was happening. And the taxi union, which has got a lot of clout to it, you know, and, and a lot of people, they were protesting allowing Uber and Lyft to happen. And I remember um, they came to the, you know, city hall and I was talking with um, some of these union guys and some of the taxi cab drivers. And I said, hey, I just want to understand, like, what is it specifically – that you don't like about Uber and Lyft. Um, and the conversations were very interesting. You know, I talked with many people. A few people were there. They wanted the government to force Uber and Lyft to give the taxi drivers their technology. Like that, that, was, that was one of their things. So like we need the government to demand that um, Uber gives us their app for us to use for our taxis. It's not and, fair. <laughs> you know, and I was like – uh, How about I'm you give up your ta- taxi medallion for... like like they do in New York and start driving for Uber and Lyft? Then. Yep. yep. I mean that's what that's what it. Eventually, that's where this leads. Yes. Because I, I, what, I, I, as we so. have as we observed early in the show, the free market always provides the best solutions. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so that's what some of the guys who maybe knew a little bit more about regulations and stuff. Their thing was, well, we have to pay these. You know, fees for licensing and this and that to drive our taxis and people with Uber and Lyft don't have to do that. And so my my response was, well, what if what if we just got away those got rid of those licenses and fees? What if government treated taxis the same way Uber and Lyft want to operate? Thank you. And they were not happy with that at all. They wanted the licenses. They wanted the fees. And the reason is it cut out their competition. They they didn't want the average Joe who you know only uses their car for half an hour to two hours a day to decide – Maybe for two hours I'll drive my vehicle around with other people in it and make money and cut into their profits. 
Um, and this is, I think, important to bring up. You know, big corporations, they love licensing. They love fees. They love regulations because the little guy can't compete with that. It, it freezes out competition. Yep. That's right. Yep. It, it cuts them out. And, man, the regulations, they love that because if they can get their competitors to slip up a little bit and step outside of, you know, regulatory uh, confinements, ooh, bad press, you know, scary well, stuff and fines. It's also just a, it's a economic issue too as well because what regu- regulation is expensive. Yeah. You have to right. have you have to have accountants and lawyers check it all out and make sure that you're in compliance. And uh, and that again freezes out the smaller operators who can't afford the costs of compliance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I know a lot of people, when you hear regulation, you think like, ooh, good, safety. Um, but if you like small businesses, you should really be thinking regulations aren't so great. What would be a lot better would be standards, you know, standards that businesses could adopt based on their size, based on their organization, based on their industry. You know, those sort of things would be, in my opinion, just way better. They allow small businesses to grow. Um, it eliminates that barrier to entry. And and we're seeing this with the vaping industry now, right? Like New York State is trying to figure out where they're going to get more money to close their $6 billion um, budget deficit. And they're like, oh, we know. We'll create a new license for vape shops. You know, $300 this year. Next year, it'll probably jump to 450 Five years from now, it'll be crazy you know yeah and all these state run things like this never generate the revenue that they always project whether it's selling you know legalizing and selling pot through state stores mm-hmm. uh, or whether it's uh, you know taxing the bedickens out of um uh, uh tobacco products yep. uh, all you do all you wind up doing is creating a black market yeah it, it ta- we're going to increase the tolls on the throughway a third in 2021, they say. Yeah, no, I saw. So that, that what yeah. that's going to do is it's going to force all this tractor trailer traffic off onto state highways. Mm-hmm. So b- brace yourself for that on routes five and twenty. Yeah, yep, yeah, and that's government's response is somebody's doing well. Ooh, you know what we should do? We should tax that, and and that's what government has done. That's that's what they've done with rideshare, and it's interesting because as I was reading this, I I was thinking about food deserts. I was thinking about how, like, city of Rochester has got, like, a lot of neighborhoods that are considered food deserts. And I'm like, wow, this is probably helping that issue. People who couldn't normally afford to get to a grocery store, now they can. This is really cool. I started doing research and found that Lyft actually came up with this idea that they would bring mobile grocery stores through their product, through their app, to food deserts, to impoverished areas that don't have grocery stores. And guess who got in the way of that? I'm thinking government. Oh, government. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so Lyft has been trying to do this for a while, and it looks like they just had to give up on it because they would really? be – Yeah. So part of it is they would have to be considered like a food truck, not like a delivery service. Why? It was just but because they the can, laws are – They want to tax it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like all this regulatory stuff got in the way. So what Lyft did instead – is and they've piloted this. They started in D.C. and I guess they've got going on now in 15 different cities across the U.S. Um, they do rides to grocery stores for a flat two dollars and fifty cents, 
which in and I think it's from specific neighborhoods. So like they identify like, okay, this neighborhood, there's no grocery store within X amount of distance. There's also no good like public transit, you know, and they, they kind of figure out like, okay, this is an area that needs help with it and they flat rate it and go for two dollars and fifty cents, you gotta ride to the grocery store. This is one way though. So so it's I, a so round it's, trip of five bucks. I, I believe so. Yeah. But you think of that versus what a regular Uber ride costs probably uh you know ten, twelve dollars depending well, on where it depends. you are. Yeah, exactly. I mean it depends on the distance and uh ten or twelve dollars I would think in Rochester would be a pretty hefty Mm-hmm. Uber ride. Yeah, it depends. I mean, I think for me, most in, you know, granted, I live in Charlotte, so I'm kind of far away from most things. If I want to get to like downtown, it's usually between 10 and $16. If I want to get to the airport, it's a bit above 20 So your nearest grocery so. store is probably what, Ridge Road, right? My guess is maybe the Ladda Road Wegmans um, or... Mount Reed Wegmans. I think there's an Aldi's across from there too. So th- those two are probably. Well, actually, no. I've got I've got Walmart around the corner from me. I just don't shop there. So <laughs> you know. Um, so for me, that would it would probably be because I think Uber also has like a six or seven dollar minimum per trip. So so probably I'd hit the minimums to get there. Um, but I, I like to look at this and think like, wow, this is another great example of the free market finding a way to fix a problem that was originally created by government because we know people have to eat and people want to eat. And if government didn't create all these roadblocks and these red tape for you know grocery stores to pop up in community areas, they would just be there. You know, and we see this with the city trying to um, take out convenience stores, which are really the only source of any type of food in some of these communities. It may not be healthy food, um, but there there are a few that have it. The city's trying to take that out. So, so is the is the rubric that uh, the rationale is that some of these mini marts are centers, they're magnets for crime, of course, and, and yeah, yeah, so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean they they think, oh, you know, a corner store. Or what happens on the corner? Illegal activity, bad things. They attract bad drug people. deals. They sell hold cigarettes. Ups. You know, like yeah. So the city's attacking them, um, which which is just going to do what? Take more food out of these communities. Um, so I think we're going to see more Uber, more Lyft, more rideshare um, taking people to grocery stores. And you see things like DoorDash and Grubhub, which are food delivery services. That's, that's where you pay somebody to eat their your food while they bring it to you. Yes, yes. That's, 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 that's the function that's of Grubhub. And, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, it helps eliminate uh, some of the calories for you. They're um, happy to. <laughs> exactly. They, they deliver half a meal to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, so I I forget where I was. I think I was in like a Taco Bell or, or some, some fast food place. And I, I saw just kind of like the line of all the Uber drivers just like picking – or not Uber, Grubhub and DoorDash, you know, and they're taking the food packing it and leaving i asked i'm like wow it seems like you guys are getting a lot and they said yeah two-thirds of our orders now are things you know like doordash and grubhub so it's people need food people want food and if they can't get to it uh the free market's creating it and i see chase commented she's never used lyft or uber before chase i highly recommend it give it a shot uh, chase it's a great thing yeah all right guys we're gonna take a break here on radio free new york we'll be back in a moment
Aircraft Environmental Systems proudly supports Radio Free New York. Rochester-based leaders in climate simulation chambers for America's R&D laboratories. We're experts in troubleshooting, calibrations, custom designs, and consulting for more than 40 years. Industry pioneers, we created the first-ever fleet of temperature, humidity, and altitude test chambers available to rent coast-to-coast. Trained and trusted by environmental chamber manufacturers, we are ACES. Find us at acesinc.com. You're listening to Radio Free New York. All right. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. We were just uh, talking over the break about how rideshare is not just getting people their groceries, but it's really bringing DWIs down a lot. Um, And I I was trying to find – I know during another show, this was sometime last year, there was an elected official. I want to say it was maybe like Ohio or Pennsylvania or something like that, um, that they they proposed an additional tax on Uber and Lyft rides. I think it was like a dollar and some change extra per ride because they were losing so much revenue in the fees and fines they were collecting on DWIs that they couldn't keep their DWI programs running at the funding that they were used to funding them. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That is that is the example of why you want less government. Yeah. Because supposedly government exists to mitigate or eliminate societal ills. Mm-hmm. It's here to help you know uh, reduce crime, Im- improve uh, prosperity, I- increase opportunity, and when all those things happen, the perverse result of that is you don't need government anymore. Yeah. So what they do is they they try to per, they try to perpetuate the. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So it, it was just really interesting because you saw that you know DWIs were down so low they they didn't have enough money to keep their government program going you know so they're like well what we're gonna do is start taxing these rideshare plans or these rideshare, you know, rides um, to fund our program because they're reducing DWIs. And I'm like, this is the most backwards thing ever. Instead, you should be like, wow, this is a great answer to solving this problem. It's keeping people safer. It's keeping people out of jail. It's reducing the strain on the criminal justice system, reducing the strain on our courts. And no opportunity everything. to increase in, increase the size yeah. and influence and power of government, though. Yep. And that's a problem. Yeah, yeah. So that is it. And, you know, I just I couldn't find who proposed that. So I don't know if it did go through. I know we were talking about it when it was proposed. Um, but there, there you go. It's just the way government looks at things is so backwards. They're always looking, how do we how do we make government bigger? And that's not what the question should be. It should be, have we made government obsolete yet? And, yeah. and you know, and in that situation, I think the answer is yes. Like, you know, rideshare is making it so that DWIs become less common, which is great because overall, once again, you're safer. Um, less cost in government. I mean, imagine maybe five, six, seven years from now when they go, wow, we don't have to have a big budget for this DWI testing equipment in every single cop car anymore because during the holidays and the high DWI times, um, you know, there's so much rideshare going on. It just doesn't happen. We could just have two vehicles outfitted instead of the whole fleet. You know, now we're saving tax dollars. Um, so to me, it's just... 
a good thing. The free market always comes up with awesome things, and the government always tries to tax them to oblivion. It just frustrates me. And speaking of societal ills in government. Yeah, yeah, bring it. You've got an article for us. Well, our good friend John Walsh has forwarded this from City Journal, uh, for, uh, the byline uh, Howard Husock. The advent of government-organized gambling in the form of state lotteries, one of our age's most unnoticed social transformations. Before 1964, America had no such lotteries. Today, only five states don't run their own. Most others permit interstate games such as Powerball, which jack up prizes to extravagant levels. Lottery participation has skyrocketed. Overall revenues total some $80 billion, and guess who's number one? If you said New York State, go to the head of the class, $10 billion in ticket sales every year. The spread of lotteries has played a leading role in the normalization of gambling, once considered a vice akin to drug use or prostitution. And lottery sales are boosted by publicly funded advertising campaigns that prey on the weakness of gambling addicts while encouraging non-gamblers to get involved, too. Most states use lotteries to help fill their coffers. A 2016 Rockefeller Institute of Government study found that, on average, state lotteries provide 2% of overall state revenues. In New York, it's 2.9%. In South Dakota, Oregon, and Georgia, the share is 5%. Uh, And uh, let's see here. Uh, It's common for states to frame lotteries as being for a good cause. Public education say this claim is meaningless. All state money is fungible. That means you can swap one for another. The lottery proceeds go into the state's general fund. One could just as easily say that lotteries are used to pay down interest on debt. And lottery advertising goes well beyond virtue branding. States sell dreams of leisure and luxury. Illinois took out billboard ads in low-income neighborhoods advertising your ticket out a lottery. The most common form of lottery advertisement encourages magical thinking by highlighting potentially life-changing effects of winning the lottery. This according to Andrew Clott, a Chicago attorney who served as managing editor of the Loyola University Chicago Consumer Law Journal. Typical advertisements focus on hard-working, blue-collar individuals who took a chance on buying a ticket and won big. These messages downplay or avoid discussion of the long odds. Somebody's got to win. A Massachusetts ad declares New York's campaigns are singled out in this article. Mm-hmm. An award-winning campaign. Got that? Award-winning. Award-winning. Oh, no. Titled, <laughs> How Would You Spend It? Part of the lottery's Cash for Life promotion emphasizes the virtuous activities in which a lottery winner freed from the drudgery of work could engage. In, quote, have fun for life, close-ups show a man inside a house building a tower for a child with couch pillows, boards, books, and sheets. A soundtrack murmurs, I'll take very good care of you. Superimposed is the sentence, I'd spend more time with my kids. Michael L., Long Island. It's the answer to the campaign's uh, recurring question, if you won $1,000 a day for life, how would you spend it? I mean, this stuff is vile. And City Journal is advocating for an end to lottery advertising. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah, you know, here's here's the thing. I mean, this is a perfect example of government doing something that would never let you do. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and meanwhile, they're going around whacking, you know, the uh, our, our mother of pain and sorrow, who's mm. running a bingo game yep. to raise money to for the food pantry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I'm one of those people that I I believe so much in individual liberty that I'm like, if you want to go out and gamble. And that's your thing. And some, and you know what the risks are. Go ahead and do it. 
But I also believe government should not be gambling. <laughs> that is not a role of government. Government shouldn't be running any type of gambling. So in my opinion, government, even if for a good cause, say every penny was going to public education, government shouldn't be running the lottery. That's just my my opinion. And how, about, if, how about they run the, the schools with the tax money that we give them? Yeah, let's start with that. Well, and here's here's the best part about it, right? Say you do win the lottery, which is just money that everybody else put in on that hopes and dreams. And, and oh, by the way, it's being used on the state budget. Well, guess what? When they pay you your winnings, they're taking more taxes out right. of it. You know, so right. it's like it's a tax on it's, every corner. It really is a tax on the stupid. I mean, you know, I, I don't mean that unkindly, but that that's true. If you think about if you if you really calculate the odds, you're wasting your money, mm-hmm. and these and the, the people who waste their money on state lotteries are those who can least afford to waste money on yeah. nonsense like that. Yeah, I've I've never played, and I I wouldn't know how. Like every once in a while, somebody's like, "Oh, do you want a scratch off?" And I'm like, "How how's it work?" Like I I don't know, you know. But I there's so many people. Well, it, it works like this: that, they they give you this little this little multicolored card, and there's some kind of glop that they apply on these squares, and you take a coin and you scratch it off, and then you say, "I lost," and then you throw it away. Oh, there that, you that's, that uh, sounds like a lot of fun. Why yeah, that, yeah, it's only like a can't believe I've been missing out or, for this long. <laughs> two bucks or five bucks, and, no. and and even more so, we extrapolate this out. I mean, the lotteries, the state-run lotteries, are bad enough. What about the state-run casinos? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Del Lago is a financial disaster area. Has anybody noticed that Del Lago doesn't have musical acts anymore? Oh, no. I guess I never paid attention to it. Yeah. Every every stage act they have now is a comedian mm. because comedians are so much cheaper because sure. the thing is losing money left and right. It's unionized. We understand the, the uh, service. Everybody I've talked to, the service is terrible there. Mm. The food is mediocre. The entertainment is blasé at, sure. at, at the very yeah. best. And this thing whole, it was all built with our money, and now it's being subsidized with our money. Yeah, Del Lago should be shuttered tomorrow. Well, and that's, that's, that's like the perfect description of government, though, like, right? Way overfunded, way, way beyond everything. Everything is subpar. I mean, that's government service to a T, you know? Um, if if government made food, it wouldn't taste like food. You know, that's just that's what it is. All right, guys, you're listening to Radio Free New York. We're going to take a brief moment here. And when we come back, I'm going to tell you about the surgeon who is allowing people to pay their medical bills by volunteering at nonprofits. Cool. Yeah. We'll be back in a moment on Radio Free New York. Why do businesses choose to move their website from Wix and Squarespace to Simple Tech Innovations? Maybe it's their excellent customer service or attention to detail. Maybe it's their ability to give a truly customized solution. Or perhaps they just like the fact that Simple Tech is a local small business that builds great relationships with its clients. Whatever the reason may be, you can rest assured knowing that the local team at Simple Tech has your best interest in mind when building or updating your website there. 
are hands-on and love helping customers achieve their goals. But don't take my word for it. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. If your website doesn't match your dreams or isn't achieving your goals, give the professionals at Simple Tech Innovations a call today for a consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. Radio Free New York. I'll tell you another uh, positive effect of banning lotteries, state-run lotteries would be, it would cut down the amount of time in the convenience store massively. Uh, yeah, there you go. I, I, I like to uh, you know get 10 cents off a gallon by paying cash, so I, I go into the... You know, and that's where you're, st- you're walking up to the cash register, and some freaking guy gets in line in front of you with a big stack of, uh, you know, he wants to buy a stack of lottery scratchers. Oh, yeah. They want a cherry bomb, and uh, then give me the uh, bridge to nowhere, uh, and uh, then give me the, uh, yeah, give me uh, the big dunce. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I think at Wegmans, where, is, where I normally get my produce if I'm not at the public market, I think they've got, like, almost like vending machines for them. There you, you go. Know. You can do that too. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I saw this article and, and it kind of plays in today's theme, although that wasn't intentional. You know, the idea that the free market will, will do much better without government regulation and interaction. Um, and I found this article about the surgeon who basically identified that people can't afford you know, their surgeries or, you know, not all people, but some people can't, maybe they don't have insurance coverage. Maybe insurance doesn't cover the whole thing. Um, and the irony there is frequently they, they can't afford the insurance, but they can afford the surgery. Yeah. If there was no, if there was no insurance, insurance. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and this is a huge issue, right? Because I've looked at health insurance, um, every year, like as a part of my company, we look at benefits to offer people, and a lot of times they're like, "Yeah, we don't, we don't actually want the insurance because uh, even with the like and the company chipping in, it costs us more than what we're going to use." <laughs> you know, it's like, it's it's not good. Um, and if you look at like a plan for like a, a family plan, they start at like eight nine hundred bucks a month. You know, which oh, is like, easy. Yeah. you know, close to $10,000 a year. And then there's $6,000 deductibles. Yep. Yep. So then, so you're, you're like into your health insurance plan, 16 grand before it covers anything. And that's post tax, by the way. So yeah. for you to have yep. 16 grand to spend on health insurance, you got to earn what, about 21? Yeah. It's, it's just like awful, you know? So I, I'm a huge advocate of cash pay. I, I think that it's way better, you know, say you do have to go to a doctor. Okay. Give them 200 bucks. It's a lot less than 16 or 20 grand, you know, even if you've got kids, you know, sure. Maybe at the end of the year, your healthcare costs you, you know, three, $4,000. That's still a lot less than $16,000. And the less. way that you get to this whole thing is, you know, where, where this all started was in World War II. Uh, when, again, government had imposed wage and price controls because mm-hmm. they wanted to try to keep inflation under control because, you know, when you've got all these dollars chasing consumer goods that don't exist, inflation yeah. happens. Yep. So what happens was companies said, well, I can't give you a raise this year, but what I'll do is we'll provide you with health care. Yeah. So they provide uh, health care coverage. And then uh, after World War II, the uh, it was it was made legal to not tax 
that as income. So hmm. people just came to start expecting health care yeah. as part of your compensation package at you know whatever company you worked for. Yeah, interesting. Uh, and uh, and so you have this you have this divergence of the uh, the end user never sees the actual price of what's you know what's yes. what what yep. something costs. Mm-hmm. And this is the logical or illogical conclusion of the whole thing, where you, you see these ads for the state. Uh, Obamacare uh, subsidized program, Fidelis Care, and, and what does the billboard say? Is there anything about health on there? No, no. It says get everybody covered. Or Let's get like everyone that. covered. Yep, yep, absolutely. Of course, the coverage may suck, and the mm-hmm. coverage you know may have giant holes in it. Yep, and you may have limited choices. Yeah, yeah, but so, you're covered. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so this doctor identified that issue, and he just wants people to get treated. Um, so he, he sat down, his name is, uh, Dimitro Aguia the third. I probably butchered that terribly. Um, but he, what he does, he created this program. They call it the M25 program. Um, it allows patients who can't afford their treatment or the entirety of their treatment to select a nonprofit from their list of participating organizations and then basically based on how much money you would owe, they calculate how many volunteer hours that's supposed to be. And then you can go and volunteer to pay off your surgery, um, which to me, that's that's awesome. There's another like free market alternative like this guy determined like, hey, not everybody can afford this. We want to better our community. This person being healthy benefits our community. And in exchange for them being healthy because of the surgery, they're going to help better some part of somebody else's community. You know, so it's it's very cool. Um, I was looking through and one of the things that he mentions, um, which is just interesting and, and lines up perfectly, he says, We've eliminated a lot of the administrative hassle that's associated with healthcare. Well, who creates that administrative hassle? Of course, government. Um, and he said he wanted to do this, you know, instead of allowing patients to go bankrupt because of medical debt, which is becoming more and more common, unfortunately. People's medical bills are just getting way out of control. Um, so he, they partnered up. And this is cool because, you know, the M25 program, they actually modeled after Matthew 2540, you know, so that the Bible verse. Um, And he says that, you know, it's for patients who need surgery or healthcare they can't afford. Instead of dollars, they pay for the surgery with community service hours. Um, He says, for example, a patient needs surgery on their left uncular nerve. I'm not sure what that is, but apparently that's a thing he does surgery on. Um, it's a nerve that your uncle has. Yeah, yeah. Left uncular. Uncular, yeah, something. Um, you know, the insurance fee is $5,000. So a patient would donate 250 hours of community service to pay for their surgery. Now, How do they collect on that, though? I mean, if, if the if, if, did they do the service before they have the procedure? Um, I It doesn't say specifically here. Um, you know, I, I'm sure trick. if I deep dived into it, but that's the trick with that. I mean, yeah. just so uh, somebody's going to say, oh, "I got the surgery, thanks." Oh, you know what? I'm kind of busy. I can't do the community service. Yeah, can't, can't fit it in. My my guess is that it's probably written up similar to like debt forgiveness, where it's like this is the debt you have. Once you hit these hours, that debt is forgiven, you know, something like that. Um, the other thing that's interesting is they say some of these surgeries are 
pretty expensive. And so the number of hours required is a lot. Um, and what they do is encourage the patients to get friends and family involved, and they all volunteer together, and all of their hours together accumulate towards paying off that person's debt. Um, so it's not just like, oh, you have this insurmountable goal. Other people can help out too, which actually builds up the community. And, you know, so I saw them like, wow, this is like a, a great plan. Guess who never would have come up with this? Government. government yeah, yeah, of course. Right. Like, because, <laughs> you know, so what's interesting is because of this, I imagine in, in the future um, that government is going to try and get involved with this and stop it. Oh, of course. Because they can't tax it. And so this is like a really great story that's inspiring and that hopefully other doctors see. Hopefully the the program continues to be successful and continues to gain traction and maybe other medical centers or physicians say, yeah, you know what? That's a great idea. I'd like to do this too. Um, and then hopefully not if, but when government gets involved and says you can't do that because, you know, it's an income that's not being taxed, a discharge of debt or whatever they come up with, um, that we can as a community stand up and be like, no government, stop it. You can't do this. Well, I mean, you just think about uh, who is the most likely promoter of the expansion of government and government roles. <clears throat> that's those are typically liberals and, and government and, and government <laughs> yeah. uh, but but liberals are typically at the leading edge of pushing government to expand uh because they don't trust you know individuals yeah. uh and uh, liberals greatest fear is that somewhere somebody is having a good time and is is making some money on something they can't have that so yeah yeah it's uh, you know and this is one of those things that you look at and you go Especially, and I hear people say this all the time. They say we have to have government, and we need big government because otherwise, you know, rich people won't help the poor. You know, we need government to take this money in terms of taxes to redistribute the wealth or whatever. And it's like, no. Like if you look around, we we have example after example after example of people who are what I would consider well off. You know, definitely better off than I am. And they're doing amazing things with their money. Um, and we shouldn't ignore that. We should look at that as the example that everybody should be Never following. got a paycheck from a poor person. No, absolutely. All right, guys. Thank you for joining us on Radio Free New York. Tomorrow, I won't be here, but Sean and Kevin will be. So they're going to have some fun. We'll catch you guys next time on Radio Free New York. <laughs> <laughs>